0: You're listening to the Trinity Ministries Podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. Today starts this Holy Week adventure that leads into Easter. And it is a wonderful time where we gather together with family and friends and our church family and friends, and we celebrate what Jesus has done. And so today, Palm Sunday... You and I know the story. If you grew up in church, you know the story really well because every year, for however many years you've been in church, you've heard the story of Jesus riding into Jerusalem, right? He rides into Jerusalem. People put coats on the ground. They take the palm branches and they're waving those palm branches and there's so much going on that we don't get culturally. That's kind of a backstory to this, and that's actually what he's—the message that he is communicating as he's going into Jerusalem. We're going to take a look at that today. Uh, but today, I, want, I actually want to start with something else that was going on uh, around Jesus, and specifically in the crowd, crowd as a whole. Not necessarily individually, but a, a, as the group that was there, there was a story that they were, a narrative that they were following um, that, that plays out actually in your life and in my life. There was something going on that applies to everybody in the room today or listening on our podcast. There are things that you and I have that everybody has in the world, and that one thing that all of us have are relationships raise your hand if you have some relationships somewhere every hand should be should be up now how you define that is just crazy you know you could be thinking of family you could be thinking of school friends work friends i mean we all if you're if you're a human being you have relationships and relationships can be great they're the stuff from which life becomes fulfilling and and rich. They're the cornerstone of a great society, of any great society, nation, and government. Um, And when relationships are good, they are what? Really good. Raise your hand if you've experienced that in a relationship. Just a really solid, rock solid marriage, friends, whatever it is, it's a good relationship. One of the ingredients in a good relationship is that, and describes a good relationship, is that they are Uh, two-sided. A relationship is two-sided. When two good friends are sharing each other's burdens and struggles, when a parent and a child uh, are, are on the same page, they thrive together in that relationship. Or when people laugh and they enjoy each other's company in total openness and total honesty. It's like the new husband who came home one evening to find his wife, his new bride, just in tears. And she said, you know the dinner I cooked for you tonight? The dog ate it. The man replied, don't worry, honey, I'll get another dog. Okay, I won't use that next service, but a two-sided, you know what I'm talking about, a two-sided relationship uh, is that each person in the relationship doesn't give 50-50 because if, you, if you're committed to giving 50% and 50%, what happens if you give 40%? There's a gap in your relationship. A two-sided relationship is both people committing to giving 100% and 100% to the relationships. When they're good, they're very good. But you know this, when they're bad, they're very bad. When there's no give and take, when there's no mutual respect, the relationships can send us into depression, into anger, into bitterness, into confusion. They are a one sided relationship, they're disappointing to be in. I recently heard a song whose main chorus went something like this We've been together quite a while, it's just the way things are. And by the way, we're only friends because you have a car. Pretty sad. When your friendships are not based on mutual giving or and mutual giving and taking that ebb and flow, eventually those relationships implode. Many of us in this room and listening can testify to that. That you've given your all in the relationship, and there's no response, there's no, uh, there's no exchange in conversation. And they cave in. So why would we talk about this on Palm Sunday? Why do we talk about this relationship on, on Palm Sunday? Well, what happened on what we now call Palm Sunday has everything to do with the, the, the difference between a beautiful two-sided relationship and a, and a self-serving, dark, one-sided relationship. In the scripture today that we'll take a look at, we're going to dive a little bit deeper. We're asking a couple of questions. What's behind the shouts of Hosanna? Is it this I'm all for you Jesus kind of thing or is it something... Else. So here's the backstory. Jesus, before he came riding in, had been in the town of Jericho or in the area of Jericho, uh, which is about 16 miles uh, northeast. North is this east? east? Whatever. I don't know. Directionally challenged. That way, 16 miles away from Jerusalem, and he had been teaching and preaching and healing and enjoying his friends, and he started to make his way toward Jerusalem. Uh, Because at that time of year, everybody did that because of the Passover meal. Everybody went to Jerusalem who could uh, to celebrate the Passover meal. And so he gets, Jesus now is coming over the hill or toward the top of the hill, and he he gets to um, a couple of different towns. And that's where we pick up the narrative for today. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there, that no one has ever ridden, untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. Which I always thought was kind of weird, you know? Just say, the Lord needs it. Oh, okay, I'll give you my car. Here, have the Lord, you know, I'm an Uber driver. Go ahead, yeah, take it, I don't care. You know, I just thought that was weird, but you have to realize Jesus was a celebrity back then. He was very well known. The crowd that followed him and the people of the region knew him really well. They had seen him do miracles. They knew he was uh, the guy that everybody came out to listen to, to speak over and above the Pharisees now at this point, which was, did not make them really happy. But he was the man. He was the one who he went to. It would be like if somebody came to you and said, um, Billy Graham, a famous, or any famous religious leader, wants to use your car for whatever reason. You know, obviously you'd be going, does he have insurance? You know, thinking those things through. But yeah, more likely you'd be, be more inclined to allow that to happen. So Jesus goes and, and they bring this colt to him. Now, why a colt? Why a, a donkey? Well, first of all, it fulfilled prophecy. Zechariah 9.9 9 says, Rejoice greatly, Jerusalem, your king comes to you riding on a donkey. Um, but secondly, in Christ's time, in Jesus' time, the donkey was considered, only people, especially donkeys that had never been ridden, were considered just for royalty, kings, princes of the area. Only later were they just kind of used for um, beasts of of burden burden or scaring little children um, kind of thing. But in riding on a donkey, Jesus was himself publicly declaring himself as king. And very rarely did Jesus do that if you know anything about Jesus, whenever he'd do an amazing miracle, he'd dash away. He would hide. He would say, don't tell anybody what I just did. But this time, he set himself on this donkey. And it's very important because he was sending a message. And, you, and in just a second, we'll talk about that. So as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments, their coats on the road ahead of them, ahead of him. Uh, and then they did something that we actually still do today in a certain form. Then, and this is from John's gospel, actually. They took palm branches and went down the road to meet him, waving the palm branches. We do this in a, in a little bit today, uh, in, in our society today. Palm branches back then were like the American flag. We've talked about this in here before. They were a sign and a symbol of freedom. So if somebody was coming and they were waving palm branches specifically, that was saying, uh, that, that was like, we are free because of this person. We do that with American flags. The president comes into town, no matter what pol- political side you're on, you grab an American flag and you wave those, those, the flags as they come in, showing um, our freedom. So they, they create this an amazing, amazing scene. And when he reached the place where the road started down, the, you could actually still go there if you go over there, the, the, the road that goes down the Mount of Olives all of his followers began shouting and singing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles, and they began saying this. And let's say this together. Ready? Go. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now, there was, that was from Matthew's Gospel. There was so much going on behind them. I mean, it was really this huge party scene, Hosanna, meaning save us. Um, they, knew he was, um, a, they, they knew he was kind of a savior, but there, and this is where we get the one-sided relationship thing, they were looking for political saving. They were looking for, man, the Romans are not, not at this time, actually, they were doing, if you've ever heard of the phrase, Pax Romana, which means the peace of Rome, um, at this time, there was a relative calm in the area because of the Roman domination, um, but the people were getting sick of it. They wanted to be their own, their own people. Um, and so they waved these palm branches as a one-sided relationship idea. They wanted the relationship with Christ, but on their terms. The praise they gave to Jesus really, I think, shrouded their real intent uh, of freedom from the Roman occupation. When uh, Adolf Hitler sought to please Australian minister Kirk von Schlushnig, um by complimenting and praising him publicly, that's what Hitler did about the minister, a disgusted Winston Churchill, Winston Churchill muttered, when a snake wants to eat its victims, he first covers them in saliva. In some ways, that's what the people in their hearts or in their thoughts as the group really was seeing Jesus as. Another important aspect um, of this day was that this was the day when the people would go into the temple courts and part of the Passover celebration was to sacrifice um, birds and different things uh, for their sins. And so all these people were heading to the temple to do that, and Jesus was basically sending the message, you don't need to do that anymore. I am your king, choose me, he was saying. I'm coming into Jerusalem, look at me, I'm the king. I'm the king that comes to save you, but not politically, and not for my own ego, choose me, because all of us have sinned and and the, the, the sacrifices, that whole system doesn't work anymore. Choose me, he said. It's an incredible statement Jesus was making that everything that had gone before him has fallen short. And he now is the fulfillment of all of what God has said at the very beginning that he would send a savior. He's saying, I'm that guy. Gentle, riding on a a colt. I am your king. The branches, again, represented kind of a one-sided desire for the people um, to be saved politically. But Jesus says, I'm offering you so much more. There's a bigger freedom than just doing these things to try and win God's favor. You don't have to anymore. God loves you. So the question we have today on Palm Sunday is, what are the branches that you wave today in front of God? What, what is it that you want from Jesus? Fill my loneliness, Jesus. Fix my broken heart, spirit. Reconnect me with my mom or dad. Reestablish my relationship with my son or my daughter. Set me free, Jesus, from my, my pain. You see, so often when we even go to prayer, the first thing we do is we list the things that we need, the emptiness in our hearts, the lack that we have in our world and in our own pain. As long as, you know, and... and he wants to do that. I mean, that's, that's not what we're saying. Jesus, like a good father, he wants us to come to him. He wants us to bring everything to him, our burdens, our hurts, our, our, the things that we desire in our life. He wants to hear that. But before all that, Jesus is asking you and I this today on Palm Sunday. On Palm Sunday Have you chosen me to be Lord over your whole life? Have you given have you gotten out of the driver's seat of your life and just said, God, I can't do this anymore. I need you. I surrender. I need you to lead this. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. i got a big thing tomorrow. i got these things that, are, that could be happening that I have no control over. Are you in control, God? Have you done that? Have you surrendered that? It's such a different attitude from our society that really focuses on getting more, being more, attracting more, achieving more. And again, those things are good, but it's often at the expense of others or maybe only to make ourselves feel better. I mean, if you call yourself a Christian, your life isn't defined by what you get, but it's really defined by what you give. That's the, Chris, that's the Christian life. That's the Christ-following life. A definition of a Christian is one who's been saved by Jesus and whose heart is being changed by the Holy Spirit to reflect the attitudes and thoughts and desires of God. Now, if you're not a believer, if you're, you're here um, because of the, the first communion and, and you're not necessarily a churchgoer, you know Christians that do things so that they can get it just for themselves or get glory for themselves. We do that. I sometimes do that. You know, I'm just like, oh, Lord, why did I why did I do that? Why did I say that? Because we're all sinful. doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not. We're all sinful. We all need God's um, forgiveness. The desire that God has for the whole world is that His Son, Jesus, is so that they would know His Son, Jesus, that He came to be the offering. He said, choose me in all of this. Christian life brings us from life to death. Jesus brings us from life to death, from freedom, uh, from captivity to freedom, from sadness to joy. I mean, it's a servant heart, Christ followers, not an entitled heart, not a consumer heart, not a heart that hoards finances, energies, or abilities. It's a heart that sees Jesus coming down the hill. And the branches we we wave say, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving me freedom from sin, death, and the devil. Thank you for promising to be with me forever. So this Palm Sunday, there's just one thing I want you to do. And I, I always kind of get pushback uh, sometimes because the Christian life isn't really about necessarily doing anything first. It's always about first surrendering your life to God, allowing the Spirit to permeate. Um, But there is, Jesus then, or the the Christian life does then allow you to live a great kind of life that God would have for you, and there are things throughout Scripture and principles that we learn, Um, and even in uh, taking it from this Palm Sunday story, there's one, there's a phrase that I want you this week to remember, okay? And it's this phrase, say no to myself and yes to Jesus. Ready? Let's say that together, ready? No to myself. And yes to Jesus. It, because that's what Jesus did. Jesus, knowing that he was going to be killed or arrested, killed, he, he willingly said, I'm saying no to myself because my mission is to seek and save those that are lost and it takes death as a payment for that. And then we celebrate a week later the resurrection. No to myself and yes to Jesus. When that person at work needs a ride home because their car broke down, no to myself, yes to Jesus. When everything in you wants to yell back at your spouse in an argument, or your brother, your sister, your friend, no to myself, yes to Jesus. When the church asks you to consider uh, being a consistent giver because it's a discipline, or, or asks you to pray about something or serve somewhere, what does God want me to do? Say no to myself and yes to Jesus. I mean, simply put, Palm Sunday puts up in our face about choosing to love Jesus and choosing to follow Him. And we know this. Because of His grace, we can't choose Him. It's all the Holy Spirit that does that in our hearts. And when we do that and commit to that, we know that God gives us the power to say in the real, true, background, motivated sense of the word what the folks said on that first Palm Sunday. And we say it together as we end. Ready, go. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's stand to pray. God, we give you thanks um, that we have been given victory through your son Jesus and that he not only conquered death, but he also conquered sin and hell, all for us, all for me. Because of that, we dedicate right now to choosing Jesus as our king. As we visually in our mind see him coming into Jerusalem, we wave uh, um, in our mind palm branches that celebrate him not as a political king, not as what's in it for me, Jesus, but it's all about what he has done in forgiving sin, the sins of the world. All glory and honor is given to you, God, for orchestrating this from the beginning of time. Thank you for our church. Thank you for our people gathered here, and all the blessings that you pour out on us continually. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Amen.